0: Welcome to Ancient Heroes. Hi everybody, this is Patrick. Today we're gonna talk some about the new Netflix show that's taking the world by storm, Ancient Apocalypse. And I'm gonna give my initial reaction to watching some of this show and what I think about it, what I think about some of the controversies surrounding it. Before we get into that, I wanna give a shout out to my friend Armin, who is the founder of a company called Audigo. I'm using an AutoGo mic today. It's a really cool portable mic. You don't need any cords or wires or anything like that, just your phone. I don't even have my laptop open. So it's a really cool product, especially if you're trying to record music or podcast episodes or something like that on the go. Uh, that's AutoGo. Um, so, okay. I haven't done a podcast episode here in most of 2022. I've been working on a different project related to ancient history that I'll announce in the coming months. But we are going to start doing more episodes of the podcast. And I couldn't resist taking a break from that project to just talk a little bit about this show, Ancient Apocalypse, on Netflix. It's one of the most popular shows right now, most recommended shows. I really wasn't aware of it because I hadn't been watching TV that much, but multiple people texted me about it and recommended it, etc. I always hear about these Graham Hancock shows or books when they're coming out. So, all right, first off, let's take a step back. What is this show and who is the main person in the show, Graham Hancock? Graham Hancock is a journalist, is the way that he describes himself. On Wikipedia, it will say that he's a pseudo-archaeologist. Excuse me, I've been getting over a cold. Um, Okay, so for the last few decades, Graham Hancock uh, has been putting out content, writing books, articles, shows, documentaries, etc. about the ancient world and about the start of human civilization. He's not an academic. He's not a trained archaeologist. He's completely self-taught. And behind all of his stuff is basically a big theory about how there was a civilization, a highly advanced civilization, that happened before what modern archaeology considers sort of the dawn of human civilization, sometimes called the cradle of civilization. I'm not an expert in this area. I believe that archaeologists and historians tend to think there were multiple cradles of civilization in different areas of the world. We've heard about the Fertile Crescent, Mesopotamia, Egypt. Uh, There are also other beginning civilizations in South America, uh, Asia, etc. So these are the ones that we know about. These are the ones that everyone sort of heard about and studied in school. Uh, The Euphrates and the Tigris Rivers, uh, Egypt and the Nile, etc. etc. So Graham Hancock, however, is putting out a theory that there was some other kind of highly advanced civilization thousands of years before those early civilizations. And this civilization that he is postulating was somehow destroyed in a cataclysmic event at the end of the last ice age. So that's what he's been searching for that's what he's putting out what he considers evidence that this civilization existed but was wiped out in this show ancient apocalypse it's an eight episode show i've been watching it the last few days he goes around the world looking at different ancient sites at the dawn of human civilization and he starts putting out ideas that maybe these go back even further than what today's archaeologists think. So a lot of his stuff boils down to questioning the dating of some of these sites and saying well you know they've dated this to 1000 BC but really there's evidence here uh, in the mythology record or somehow in the dating of these sites different layers and things like that that go back much further. So this is what Graham Hancock is putting out. So this has been highly controversial over the years he's taken a lot of criticism. We've even talked about that some on this podcast. I talked to Jason Colavito, who's another writer who's been heavily critical of Graham Hancock. You can go back and listen to that episode if you're interested. <clears throat> and today I just want to talk about my initial reaction to some of this because you really can't ignore it. Archaeologists have been coming out writing articles already, getting news coverage, criticizing Graham Hancock. You can't ignore it because You know, you have all of these archaeologists who are out there developing evidence and theories and different things who are getting really not much attention because they're in the academic world. They're publishing technical studies. Very few people are aware of this, except when there's some kind of occasional major breakthrough or finding. Whereas Graham Hancock is reaching millions of people immediately with some of these theories there's probably more people that have heard of Graham Hancock and are familiar with what he's putting out there than there are the rest of archaeologists in the world combined. So you really can't ignore it. You have to address it. And it's a tricky thing to address because you don't want to be so dismissive that you look too defensive and so locked into academia and the technical experts that you ignore people that are out there doing their own research and things like that. So uh, you don't want to be too dismissive in a sense um, because, you know, that's not going to convince anyone either. So I wanted to address it and I'm going to start by talking about a couple of the reasons why maybe we can listen some to Graham Han- the Graham Hancocks of the world, so to speak. I'm going to try to, to steel man his argument, uh, meaning the opposite of straw man or just steel man the idea that maybe we should give Graham Hancock a, a fair hearing. Um, I'm not going to, in this episode, dive into the actual technical evidence of his theory versus other theories. I'm not going to talk about, well, the carbon dating says this at this site and et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to get into the weeds of the evidence because for one, I don't have a good grasp of the evidence. This is We're talking about earlier time periods than I've ever looked at seriously. I've mostly been focused on some of these Mediterranean cultures in the 1st century, 2nd century B.C., and onward, uh, Greece, Rome, etc., Egypt. I'm not by any means an expert in the earliest civilizations, the dawn of human civilization in general, and what sort of the debates are within that, within that realm. So I don't want to go too deep into the technical evidence, but I am thinking about having some guests on that might go down that road. I really just want to talk about sort of how we might approach something like Graham Hancock, where I see some red flags and where I see some things that we might say, okay, let's hear them out. So I'll start out with the positive and why this is a case of let's take a step back let's not get too defensive and let's maybe consider that Graham Hancock and some of these so-called pseudo-archaeologists or alternative archaeologists or amateur researchers or however you want to describe it might have something to bring to the table. So the first reason I don't want to be too dismissive is that I don't want to be overconfident about what we know that far back in human history. So the idea that we have things perfectly mapped out and we have a timeline perfectly gathered about human civilization and exactly what it was like in those earliest days, and then even before that, at the end of the Ice Age and things. I really don't think the further back we go, the less we know, generally speaking. We can put together a pretty good record of what happened during the American Civil War. We can put together a pretty good record, you know. Uh, But even but, you know, a pretty good record of what happened during certain parts of the Roman Empire, let's say, when there were all kinds of documents and, and things recorded. But as we go further and further back, things get trickier and trickier. You even look at we've talked a lot about Alexander the Great in this podcast. It's really difficult to know what Alexander the Great was actually like. The sources we have on him are from hundreds of years later. They're based on earlier sources, of course, but things were lost. Things go through multiple iterations of translations and all kinds of things. So the further we go back in time, the more difficult it is to really have a grasp on what happened and what it was like. So as we go back to the dawn of human history and then into the realm of prehistory, where things weren't recorded and humans were living as hunters and gatherers and things like that, we, we can make estimates about things. We can make educated guesses. We can look at fossil records. There are kinds of evidence that we have, but it's not nearly as reliable in some ways and as definitive as something that might have happened five years ago or last week or even 200 years ago. So I just don't want to be overconfident about that. And I think that historians or archaeologists that are overconfident or are ruling things out out of hand is are, they may be taking it too far. And, and um, I'm not criticizing I don't have anyone in particular in mind here. I'm just basically making the point that I want to have a certain amount of uh, being humble about what we know when we start going back many thousands of years into the past. And so there are, I'm sure possibilities and interesting things that happened that we don't know about and there might be elements of truth that some of these civilizations weren't exactly what we thought or that they go back further than we thought and that kind of thing I by no means would want to rule anything like that out. Of course you would need evidence for that uh, to 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 make that um, assertion so the next thing uh, the next reason I'm going to say that it's fair to give folks like Graham Hancock a hearing is that there is some precedent that an amateur researcher can change the model in a expert field like archaeology. So I'm um, going back and referring to Henrik Schleiman, who was a German amateur archaeologist, basically, in the 19th century, the 1800s. He was not formally trained. He was not considered an expert, he had grown up reading about the stories of the Trojan War, which were considered complete mythology at that time, completely fiction. Uh, He became wealthy, and as an adult, set out using his wealth to go and prove to the world that those stories, the stories of the Trojan War, and Agamemnon, and Odysseus, and all these things, were not pure fiction and at that time for hundreds of years it had been assumed by historians that stuff was completely made up and Henrik Schleiman was successful basically in what he set out to do he did a lot of damage along the way because he didn't know how to excavate things properly and he was you know coming up with his own theories on things and etc he didn't exactly know what he was doing but he actually discovered the site that we consider now to be ancient troy he also discovered mycenae in greece he was discovering mycenaean greek civilization uh, and and some of these uh, sites that connected back to these legends and he basically proved that there was some truth In this mythology how much truth is still being debated but he went out and proved that as an amateur researcher and completely changed the way that we think about that mythology today so the caveat that I'll add in here is this was sort of before the modern age of archaeology so it'd be a little more difficult for someone to just turn the entire field on its head like that today but there is some precedent for this kind of thing happening. So, you know, uh, I I don't want to be, I don't want to take the consensus and just say, I'm going to defend the consensus at all costs because there there have been examples where that hasn't worked out. So, okay. Those are the reasons why I think we don't want to completely dismiss everything that comes out of something like Graham Hancock's theories and his research and stuff like that without even hearing it out. So, okay, now I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the red flags when I see Ancient Apocalypse and some of Graham Hancock's other work and why, ultimately, I only can get so far with it. So the first red flag is that throughout the first few episodes of the show, and I'm assuming, I haven't finished the show yet, but I'm assuming as it goes on, Graham Hancock sets up the whole thing as sort of archaeology thinks this but it's a stubborn field and I think this and archaeologists won't accept this newfound idea and he basically paints this picture of archaeology as a monolithic field where everyone is close-minded everyone is stubborn everyone is just digging into what they think they know but they won't open their mind and consider these bigger ideas for some reason almost like it's a conspiracy against him. And that's a red flag to me because what we find in archaeology is that it's not a monolith. There are debates. There are questions being asked. People don't agree. All archaeologists don't agree on important questions. We've even seen this on my podcast in, in talking about the mythology and how much truth there was in some of the mythology around the Trojan War and the other epic poetry. I talked to an archaeologist, a very respected archaeologist, Eric Klein, who feels that there is some elements of truth in the Iliad and that some of those stories and legends and figures might connect back to actual Mycenaean people. Whereas in my episode with Joshua Browers, he feels that this stuff was really basically made up after the fact as the Greeks were discovering the ruins and, and realizing there was an earlier Mycenaean civilization, that they invented most of these things during the Dark Age. So, not to get too technical with it all, but I'm just making the simple point that archaeologists don't agree on everything. There's a lot of debate, that's why they're publishing papers, they're doing debates, they're doing studies, they're you know having panels, there's a lot of big questions within archaeology and they're going out and they're debating one another and they're questioning these things. So uh, the idea that archaeology is some kind of you know uh, monolith where everyone agrees on everything and no one's willing to hear these new ideas just, I would say, is not accurate. It doesn't mean there aren't blind spots in the field generally. There always are in every field. It just means that when I start hearing that kind of setup, I'm thinking, that that's a little bit of a red flag. So the next thing is that I'm somewhat familiar with with Graham Hancock's theories in other areas. And I did an earlier episode about the Lost Ark of the Covenant, where we look at different theories about where the Ark of the Covenant could be today. And some of them are more and less plausible than others. Of course, we don't know what where the Ark is. But one of these theories that's gained some popularity just in the media and it's kind of a sensationalistic thing is that the lost ark of the covenant is located in a church in ethiopia and there's a whole long story behind that and and why that that uh why people say that and you can go back and listen to that episode if you're interested in that whole story but Suffice to say, it's an incredibly unlikely situation that the Ark is actually located in this small church in Ethiopia. It's virtually impossible. There's all kinds of evidence suggesting it's not the case. And yet Graham Hancock wrote an entire book where he concludes that the Ark is likely there. And he bases this on eyewitness testimony of people that of of the monks or priests or whatever that are at this church that claim that it's there or someone says they saw it and that kind of thing. And what you find with Graham Hancock's work, when I did a deeper dive into the actual details um, last year, I believe, is that he just follows these strands and he's basically a storyteller. He follows these little clues and these strands and, you know, down these rabbit holes and he, he weaves these kind of complex stories of what if this, what if that. And there's so many what ifs piled on top of one another that you get to a point where, from a probability perspective, you're just operating at virtually zero. But yet he's still making these conclusions because they tell an interesting story and it's fun to talk about where the arc might be or that it's still around. But ultimately, I just found that he wasn't using reliable methods of Uh, evidence and he was basing his conclusions off of stories that he had heard and uh, eyewitness testimony by very biased sources and mythology the way he was interpreting it and it just wasn't evidence that I would consider at all reliable you know the rest of the time on this podcast when we're talking to archaeologists you know we're talking a lot about the material history of places and uh, you know, um, many people studying things and, and coming to similar conclusions about dating and about uh, the style of maybe some form of pottery or, or whatever it might be. And there's some understanding that this is reliable evidence. With Graham Hancock's stuff, I've just when I see a case where someone is making such a bold conclusion or a bold assertion, based on such flimsy evidence and such a winding strand of remote possibilities, it just makes me think, okay, if he's willing to say that about the lost Ark of the Covenant and come to this conclusion just because it sounds cool and sells more books maybe, what else is he willing to sort of fudge along the way and gloss over along the way? So he buys into what I would consider to be very fantastical kinds of theories and ideas, so that's a red flag when it comes to this ancient apocalypse uh, theory as well. The other thing that's a red flag to me is that he really seems to have spent a career trying to appeal only to non-experts. He's writing books for a popular audience. He's creating TV shows on Netflix. None of this stuff is reviewed peer-reviewed in an academic setting. None of it's aimed at other archaeologists and other experts. And basically what he's doing is he's going around the experts and he's saying, let's go right to a popular audience. And that's a red flag to me. One of the things that I've realized over the years is that when you don't know much about a discipline – and you hear a compelling-sounding theory from someone that seems convincing. And Graham Hancock, without a doubt, he seems convincing, he's well-spoken, he's intelligent, he's got a certain flair and kind of charisma about him and passion about him. It seems very convincing. If that's really all you know about something, uh, you don't know much about the discipline itself, but you hear a compelling theory, you're going to buy into it. Uh, especially if it's something that you sort of would like to believe anyways. Um, So he's basically convincing people that don't really know much about the field. And that's not to say anything about them. I've had this happen to me in different disciplines. I didn't know much about, I'll give you an example. I didn't know much about food and the science behind food and stuff like that. And there are people out there that are really convincing that talk about how we should be eating only meat or having some kind of carnivore diet. Now, uh, not knowing anything about food and listening to some of these very convincing explanations for this, I felt way more confident that this was the right perspective to have than I should have. And it took a friend of mine sending me some different research and things about the the shortcomings of the of of an all meat diet and other research that's happened and to to back out and give me more of a perspective. I still think that some of the carnivore stuff is interesting, but I would not recommend you know I wouldn't recommend it to somebody. I feel that it's much more controversial, and I realize that there's a lot of research that shows some of the pitfalls of that too so without a perspective basically what i'm saying is when you have no perspective on a on an area of study when someone comes along with some charisma and something that sounds cool and convincing you're gonna buy into that and that's what i think graham hancock has spent a career doing i don't i think very few of the people that are Um, supporting what he's doing and buying his books and things like that are actually studying archaeology as a field more broadly. I think probably the only thing they know is what they're getting from Graham Hancock, which can sound convincing without that context. So the next red flag I'm going to talk about is just, I think he's clearly cherry-picking evidence. And this is mentioned in his Wikipedia article, which I was reading yesterday. But this has been one of the big criticisms of him. And I'm. it's pretty obvious when you watch the, the show, I think, because you never hear about... He, he basically goes around to different ancient sites, different pyramids and structures like that, and he starts questioning the dating and finding little reasons why maybe this is actually much older than what archaeologists have traditionally said about this pyramid in Mexico or something but he never talks about the weight of the evidence on the other side you know he he basically anything that's a coincidence builds into his theory he doesn't give you the context about why people might feel that You know, Maybe there's one little question here, but maybe there's a hundred other reasons why people have dated this thing to a certain date. But those hundred reasons, you're not going to hear about. You're only going to hear about his little question, his little coincidence. Um, He interprets myths a lot in a way that I think, again, if you're not familiar with the myths, it might be very obviously seem like he's correct. But there's a lot of ways to interpret mythology. And some of these stories, we don't always know the underlining meanings. And when you're talking to people that are unfamiliar with some of this mythology, like myself, when I'm watching the show, I'm not familiar with, let's say, ancient Aztec mythology or something like that. I'm going to accept his interpretation, but the reality is he might be giving a very uh, self-serving interpretation of that mythology. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Um, And and like I said, he's, he basically ignores for the purposes of what he's communicating to the viewer or the reader, he's ignoring the body of evidence that's against him. So those are kind of the the main red flags that I've found in in watching this new ancient apocalypse show and that I have with uh, Graham Hancock in general. And, you know, One thing about the show, just to wrap things up, I thought the style of the show was quite bizarre in some ways. It's just a lot of drone footage and him walking around and, you know, I didn't find the show particularly compelling uh, and I didn't find that there was a lot of earth-shattering evidence that he was proposing. I mean, it was, you know, some questions here, some questions there, some unresolved things about some of these sites, but it wasn't like he, he was stumbling onto something that was groundbreaking or something like that, major discoveries. I didn't, I didn't see anything that really caught my eye where I felt like, oh, shit, I need to go and look that up. What's going on here? Nothing – I didn't find anything to be particularly convincing that he was majorly onto something. Uh, but again, like I said, I'm not – it's not my area of expertise either. Um, You know, my big takeaway from this kind of thing is that if you are taking this, you should take it as entertainment. And that's what I take it as, is entertainment. You have to sort of compartmentalize this stuff in your head and think, okay, this is an entertaining show that's sort of related to archaeology. That maybe it's something that piques my interest a little bit in some of these sites. You do learn something uh, I didn't know about some of these pyramid sites from the ancient world. So there are things that you learn and it is, you know, you get to see some different places around the world. And so there is some value, I think, in sort of these uh, shows, as long as you take them as entertainment and not as fact, uh, they, uh, as long as you basically just use it as a way to say, okay, this could be kind of entertaining and maybe I, it, you know, it pulls me into Be a little more interested in South American, ancient South America, some of these ancient South American civilizations or um, some of these uh, uh, ancient Indonesian civilizations or whatever it might be. I think to that extent it's fine, but I'm definitely watching this with a healthy degree of skepticism. I'm laughing at parts of it because I feel that it's, they're asserting things and just making statements that. I just have no way to know if it's true or, uh, you know, and it it just seems very self-serving. They're pulling in Joe Rogan, for instance, to back up that Graham Hancock is this once-in-a-generation thinker. And, you know, that might be convincing to some people. I like Joe Rogan. I'm somebody that defends Joe Rogan. But I also know that Joe Rogan has no idea what he's talking about (laughs) so when it comes to archaeology and uh other than a couple things that he has an expertise in joe rogan doesn't really know what he's talking about he's talked to graham hancock so much and i'm sure he does think graham hancock is this revolutionary figure but uh that's not that's really not evidence that he is so um you know i again i would just take it as a gateway into you know some some entertainment and some interesting sites archaeology sites and things like that around the world uh so I'm not saying by any means not to watch it I just think it's it is amazing how convincing it is when you just sort of are looking at it as a factual kind of documentary it is convincing even to me knowing that a lot of it is probably a distortion or not accurate or there are good reasons why archaeologists disagree the visuals, the storytelling, the Graham Hancock as a as a charismatic kind of host—all these things add up to where you almost can't help but find it somewhat compelling. Um, so, uh, I would just say that check it out, but you know, if you if you want to, but go into it with a lot of skepticism and take it basically purely as storytelling and entertainment, and maybe a way to to learn a, a, a little bit about you know what some of these ancient sites might be around the world and uh just some of the terminology and stuff like that but do not take it as any kind of factual documentary whatsoever and i will add that um i'm going to try to start doing more regular episodes here and uh and i do have a, a big announcement to make about a project i've been working on this past year that will be coming soon and in the meantime uh thanks for listening